Good morning, everyone. That is a teaser for our baptism celebration coming up. We are talking about baptism this morning, but I actually want to start in a different neighborhood. I want to start uh, with uh, things that, that I don't get, that it seems like everybody else in the world gets. Like things I don't like, that it seems like millions of other people think are really, really fantastic. And number one on that list is the Magic Kingdom. I don't get the Magic Kingdom. I get Magic Kingdom for little kids. But like adults and, and such who are, who are gaga over, over the Magic Kingdom? I mean, isn't it like the most thrilling ride there, this tiny roller coaster in a completely dark warehouse? It just it doesn't seem exciting to me. I know everybody's sitting there really stony, like, what's wrong with him? I, I, that's what the point of this part of the message is. I'm like, I'm outside the curve on this. I don't get it. And, and it seems like everybody else does. Number two on that list, the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I don't like the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Now, you guys are nicer to me than first service. You kind of chuckled politely. First service gasped. They're like, what? What? You don't like, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I know. Millions of people like it, and I cannot understand why. Can we just watch a, let's just watch a little clip, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? You tell me what's. My name's Tommy. Tommy Johnson. How you doing, Tommy? Say, I haven't seen a house out here for miles. What are you doing out in the middle of nowhere? Well, I had to be at that there crossroads last midnight. Sell my soul to the devil. Well, ain't it a small world, spiritually speaking? Pete and Delmer just been baptized and saved. I guess I'm the only one that remains unaffiliated. This ain't no laughing matter, Everett. What'd the devil give you for your soul, Tommy? Well, he taught me to play this here guitar real good. Oh, son. For that, you traded your everlasting soul? Well, I wouldn't use me. I've always wondered, what's the devil look like? Well, of course, there are all manner of lesser imps and demons, Pete, but the great Satan himself is red and scaly with a bifurcated tail. He carries a hay fork. Oh, no. No, sir. He's white. As white as you folks. With empty eyes and a big hollow voice. He loved to travel around with a mean old hound. That's right. And he told you to go to Tisha Mango? Well, no, sir. Well, that was my idea. I heard there's a man down there. He pays folks money singing to his can. They say he pays next if you play real good. Tisha Mango, huh? How much he pay? That was a minute and 20 seconds. And that thing goes on for like that for like two hours. And I can only understand like 40% of the dialogue. I just don't get it. All right. Third thing I don't get that it seems like everybody else gets. Creme brulee. The dessert creme brulee. Yeah, I know. All my life I hear people say creme brulee. And they always say it just like that. Like they're experiencing it in that moment. You creme brulee. Every time I've tasted it, it tastes like vanilla pudding with burnt sugar on top. But on February 12th of this year, I had an epiphany. Celebrating my 20th anniversary and the 21st year aboard Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the Sea, we had a Jamaican waiter. His name was Leighton. Leighton highly recommended as the dessert of the evening creme brulee. And I thought, you know what, here... Why not? Because if I don't like it, they'll bring me five more desserts until we finally find one that I like at no extra charge. So I said, yeah, 
creme brulee. Let's see what, you know, just try it again. So Leighton, our waiter from Jamaica, he went back into the kitchen and there I imagine found a counter with 900 bowls of creme brulee. And he picked the most perfectly blowtorched bowl of heaven on earth. And I took one bite. And for the next six nights in the dining room, for dessert, I ordered creme brulee. (laughs) It was more than just the greatest bowl of pudding with burnt sugar on top ever. It was a chance to join millions of my brothers and sisters in the human race. To go from the outside to the inside. To be part of the family. See, that's the deal about when you don't appreciate something and you're not excited about something that the whole rest of the human race seems excited about. You get to the place where you're almost afraid to mention it. What? You don't like, oh brother, where art thou? Why, you low-brow metaphors to Ulysses ignoring folk music hating, popcorn superhero movie loving ignoramus. That's what it feels like to not like, oh brother, where art thou in America? I think the church provides us with more than a few of these uh, big deals. Big deals that you may not be getting, but now you're afraid to ask because everybody else seems so excited about it. Big deals like baptism. Clearly, the church is gaga over baptism. We make epic videos about baptism. Entire wings of the Christian church are named after it. What's one of the biggest churches in the world? The Baptist church. They got really excited about it. They put it in the name. Number one question you're going to be needled about by religious grandparents. Have you been baptized? When are you getting baptized? How do they do their baptisms over there? Lakeland Community rents a swim beach every year and has a big celebration. There's a milestone wall out there that has the map of the Christian faith. Two out of the seven milestones for families revolve around baptism. But why? I mean, some of you have seen us. We we pour the water out of a bottled water into a bowl and then trace it on a baby's head for the grown-ups who go out to the lake and, let's be honest, dunk each other and some watch fish-smelling water. Some of you would like to ask, what's the big deal about baptism? So this morning, allow me to be your Jamaican waiter and pick out for you the best bowl of baptism that I can. So the basic Basic symbols of the rite are easy to spot if you're watching. Um, you know, the symbol of being washed from sin. The symbol of being buried with Christ. As you go, he went into the tomb, you go into the water. As he was raised again, you were raised. The, uh, the, having God's seal placed upon you. Just like old kings used to take their ring and press it into the wax. And then it meant this belongs to God. You really can see that when we trace out the sign of the cross with the water on the baby's forehead that says, this one, this one belongs to God. You can see all that, but there's meaning even beyond that. Consider the first baptism in the Bible, the baptism of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 3, it goes like this. After his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water The heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. So God uses the moment of Jesus' baptism to also say, This is my Son. Take that 
as exhibit A. Now let's go over to Romans chapter 8 for this scripture. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba. That's a Middle Eastern word that little kids call their fathers even today. Abba, Father. For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. So just as Jesus' baptism, he received God's spirit and sonship. It says that also God is adopting us as his children. And if you keep reading, it gets even more epic. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Now take the scripture about Jesus' baptism and being the Son of God and this one from Romans where we are all adopted as children of God and listen to this scripture from Romans 6 that brings them together. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. Baptism is a lot more than we think. It's a lot more than just declaring our faith publicly in Jesus. A lot more than just being washed of sin, as beautiful and important as that that image is. It is a reminder that we are God's children and a reminder of how that was accomplished by the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus. Have you ever wondered why certain fictional heroes capture entire generations' imagination? Luke Skywalker, Harry Potter, Percy Jackson. Why do these young characters appeal to us so much? Because they start out life thinking they're one person and they come to know that they're actually someone else. And in the case of these three characters in particular, they don't achieve it by their effort and hard work. They're just born that way. Their hard work, their trials they must face, that all certainly comes. But for Luke, Harry, and Percy, they are not self-made men or self-made boys. They are chosen. They are chosen by destiny. One is strong with the force. One is a wizard from birth. One is the son of Poseidon. And as we watch or read their stories, we watch them realize. So I'm not just a discontented farmer. So I'm not just an orphan who's bullied by my foster family. I'm not just a kid with ADHD and dyslexia. C.S. Lewis was the author of the Chronicles of Narnia. J.R.R. Tolkien was the author of The Lord of the Rings. They both believed that stories like this grab our hearts, not because of the fantasy elements, but because of the echoes of truth that we find when we encounter these stories. They believed that there is a place in everyone's heart, and that place is put there by God, and it is waiting for a moment of discovery. So when we're in the movie theater and we're watching the twin sons of Tatooine set, 
or when Harry Potter picks up his wand and a wind blows through Diagon and Alley, or the water in the pond jumps out to protect Percy Jackson, a place in our heart leaps to, leaps at the truth that says, you also, you know, you also have an undiscovered identity. That's a fantasy story, but there's something about that that should resonate with you. You also have a connection to something much, much greater than you know. It's no small thing to wake up one morning and realize you're not who you thought you were. Who do you think you are this morning? Some of you wake up every morning and you put on a bad identity. Some of you wake up every morning and you look in the mirror and you say, oh, there he is, the one who never finished school. There she is, the one who had a kid too young. There he is, the one who suffers from depression and anxiety. There she is, the one who can't keep a job. The one who can't live on their own. It's hard to get anything done when you have a bad identity like that. Because even when you succeed, you tell yourself that you just skated by and got lucky. Even if you get your dream job, you say, well, that's a pretty lucky break for someone who didn't finish school. I hope no one finds out. Somebody asks you out and you think, well, that's what I wanted to happen, but, you know, I have depression and anxiety. I'm sure I'll wreck it. I wreck everything else. Even when you succeed, you say, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. It usually does. When you have a bad identity, when you fail, you fail spectacularly. Because you can't fail and just say, well, I won't do that again. Well, I'll learn from that. No, when you have a bad identity and you fail, you say, see, that's what happens. That's what happens to people who have kids too young. That's what happens to people who can't make it on their own, can't keep a job. I figured that was going to happen. But Jesus comes into our life. And Jesus says, I don't see you that way at all. That's not who you are. That's something that happened to you. That's something you did in the past. You're really hanging on to it, but I choose not to remember it because that's not who you are. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I don't mean this time, you know, because you are created. So like we're all children of God because he made us. No, I, Jesus says, I, I mean it in the way like I looked you over and I adopted you. And I went straight over and put you in the will. Because I want to make you an heir to everything. All of creation and all the glory of God. I want you to have all of this someday. I put my Holy Spirit inside of you so you would have Holy Spirit power. My presence, Jesus says, to help you overcome some of these things you've troubled with in the past, like forgiving that person. 
You haven't been able to do that. But with Holy Spirit power, I believe you can be free of that. Knowing right from wrong, you've struggled with that. But with the Holy Spirit power, I believe you won't struggle with that anymore. Being happy, even in stress. Being confident, even amid insults. Being brave, even amid uncertainty. Holy Spirit power I give to you. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. You wake up in the morning, you are a prince in the kingdom of God. You go out the door into the world, you go out there as a princess and daughter of the king of kings. And when you fail, that's a lesson that you are learning for the great things to come ahead. People that never fail aren't really trying very hard. They're certainly not headed toward anything important. When you fail, I am with you. And you're prepared for the next stage of the journey. And no one can take this away from you. It's not a test. It's not a grade card. It's not a a chance to see if you get to pass through the next threshold. This has already been purchased for you with the blood of Jesus Christ. It is yours and it cannot be taken away. Rise up to your new life. Hear these scriptures again. Romans 6. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives since we have been united with him in his death. We will be raised to life as he was. Now you may say, my life has great hardship. What kind of prince or princess ever lived a life of great hardship? How about the prince of peace? Romans 8, but if we share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. You know, in modern times, we don't trust kings and queens and folks like that all that much. You know, being born famous and rich, we figure, I'm not sure they've suffered enough to be compassionate and caring towards those who actually suffer. On the other hand, take Prince William. Now, I don't know really anything about Prince William except that he has been on tabloid covers since he was an infant and I was a little kid. Yet, I kind of trust the guy. Just for this, his mother died tragically when he was a boy. His dad cheated on his mom and it was super trashy and the whole world knows it. And his mom cheated on his dad and it was really ugly and the whole world knows it. And I figure someone who suffered like that, someone who knows how unfair life can be, may just make a decent king. We'll wait and see. But I trust Jesus largely because he suffered. Jesus suffered horribly. Jesus knows what loss is. Jesus knows what disappointment is. Jesus knows what betrayal is is. And when he calls me son and says that I can trust him with all of my hurt and loss and betrayal, I believe him. When he says to me, stop acting like that 
you are going to be a king someday. I believe him. And when he says, we don't behave like that in this royal family, I say, yes, sir, help me to do better. Show me the way. When he says, you're not a slave to that garbage anymore. You're the son of the most high. I remember Romans 6, which goes on to say, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ, so sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Baptism is a symbol of many, many things. And this explains why we say that a new life begins when you rise up out of those waters. No wonder the church around the world is so excited about baptism. No wonder wonder that even in, O brother, where art thou? The baptism song is awesome. As I went down to the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sinners, let's go down. Let's go down. Come on down. Oh, sinners, let's go down, down to the river to pray. For those who are ready to step into this new identity, we have our annual baptism service. It's going to be at Longview Lake on July 8th. The whole church turns out. You've seen the videos. We're playing volleyball. Kids are swimming in the lake. It's a great family evening. But then when the sun gets low in the sky, all of that stops and we circle up and we have a holy celebration of confirmation and rededication and baptism. We celebrate Christ washing us of sins. We celebrate our future hope of being buried and raised with him and our present hope of being buried and raised with him to new life. We celebrate his seal of adoption placed upon us, making us sons and daughters of God. So you have options on that night. You can come to celebrate what God has done in the lives of your brothers and sisters, some of them just learning that they are our brothers and sisters. You can come and celebrate um, and remember your own baptism and what God has done for you. You can come and celebrate if you have been baptized before and you want to confirm faith as your own, especially uh, those of you who are teens and you went through our confirmation milestone. Also, some of you may have been baptized previously and then 
you know, wandered from faith for a time. But now, here you are again. Here you are again in the church. Here you are again walking with Christ. You feel a newness. You feel a freshness and an aliveness. And you think, I wish there was something to celebrate this thing that God has done in my life. And there is. It's called rededication. Rededication to Christ. And we celebrate the same night we celebrate baptism. And of course, those of you who have never stepped into these waters before, you can come and celebrate all that God is bringing you through baptism. So if you want to participate in any of those, I invite you next Sunday to stay after this second service. In the back prayer corner here, Pastor Marta will be guiding us through all the preparations for rededication or confirmation or baptism. And some of our students do confirmation and baptism. And, and so stay after church next Sunday, 45 minutes or an hour, and we'll be guided through all of that to prepare. For the rest of us, for all of us, let's put July 8th on our calendar. Pray for good weather as a night to come and celebrate what God has done. Amen. God gave to us another sacrament. He gave us baptism. He also gave us the Lord's table. If our servers want to come forward and prepare it, on that night he was betrayed. Jesus took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And then he took a cup and he said, this cup is my blood of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sin. And as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember my death and all that it purchased for you until I eat and drink it with you in my father's kingdom where God will reveal who his children really are and there. You will be. So we invite you to tear off a piece of bread and dip it in the cup and receive all of this. Now some of you may be doing this for the first time. Some of you may be doing this for the hundredth time. If you want, this is like a a second option. I'll be down here. Be wearing this symbol of the yoke of Christ. And I'll have this oil. It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And if you want, right before communion, you can come down here. And what you have to do is to state your identity. I am a son of God. Or I am a daughter of God. And then I will trace out the sign of the cross in your forehead with this oil, the symbol of the Holy Spirit, and say, son of God indeed, daughter of God indeed. And you can go and receive communion. A third option is you can stay right where you are because at this point you're thinking, I don't know about all this. Doesn't feel right. I am not sure. In that case, uh, use this time to think about is this vision of God what God is like? Is following Jesus going to lead me to the one true God? What would it be like if I did go forward and make that statement and I did receive that bread and that drink? What would that mean in my life? Would it change the way I see myself? Would it make things better or worse? Think about that. So you can receive communion. You can receive anointing in communion. You can stay where you are and contemplate the place of God in your life. All good uses of this moment. Let us stand together and begin by praying the prayer that Christ Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Therefore, let us proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. The gifts of God for the people of God. Each day may Christ be as real to you as this food and this drink. Amen. Let us say this benediction over one another. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. With your new identity, go in peace.